Now, I want to start a series today, a series about telling the stories of the Bible. Tell me the story again. Uh, There are grand narratives in the Bible that we ought to contemplate and think about regularly. Not that any are greater than the others, but there are some that stand out that are sort of monumental in our understanding of the totality of Scripture and Christ in our lives. So I want to just go back and pull some of those. And for the next 10 weeks, I know that I'm going to be focusing on narratives of the Old Testament. So I want to go all the way back to Genesis 1. Listen, there's many slides that are on the screen, and all the scripture is going to be there on the screen, but I'm going to read the entirety of the Genesis 1 text, so it would be really beneficial to you if you'd open your Bibles and read Genesis 1 along with me, and then we'll get into a first couple of verses of uh, two or three verses of chapter 2 as well. Now, knowing the creation narrative is important, it's just essential because it is a narrative that is under constant attack. Uh, If you're in public schools today, whether it's uh, elementary all the way through to the university environment, this Genesis 1 and 2 narrative has been under attack for a long time. If you go into a museum, if you go to a a state or uh, even a national park, this Genesis 1 and 2 text is under attack. So it's one that we ought to be going to regularly. Uh, Just remembering that many people deny the narrative of Genesis 1 and 2 because they deny God. They reject God. Uh, They don't want there to be a creator, uh, one who judges, and one who who rightfully discerns. Uh, Instead, they would rather this just be sort of happenstance. It all just came together in a cosmic way. Uh, They're not looking for a God, a sovereign, who is creator, who is... Uh, requiring all things to be obliged in a certain way. So they're discounting this. So it's important for you and me to know the narrative. So let's begin in chapter 1 of Genesis, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it be separated, the waters from waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry ground, the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, Plants yielding seed and fruit bearing, fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kind, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, 
And let them be lights to the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light to the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw that everything he made, behold, it was very good and the evening there was evening and there was morning the sixth day thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them and on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made and rested on the seventh day from all of his work which he had made and God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in that he had rested from all of his work which God created and made Amen. father we thank you for your grand story we embrace it in all of its realities we declare it to be right and true because you have declared it to be right and true and we are blessed by its words in Jesus name amen in the beginning those three words, that beginning of God's holy word, the Bible, tells us the, the eternal God, the God of the Bible, who always has been and always will be, made all things. In the beginning, 
We can't quite grasp the eternality of God. We can't quite understand the nature of God for he is transcendent. That is, he is above the natural realm in which you and I understand and know. He's far beyond us, yet we can understand him in these words in the beginning. For there we find God who spoke all things into existence Everything that is natural and physical, God has brought about creating everything in six days. In the opening words of the Bible, we find the testimony of the only witness who was there in creation, God himself. And God, who was the witness, told to Moses to write these things down. And in time, Moses wrote them down with great accuracy and gave them to us a divine revelation of God. Who else could give us the narrative of creation other than God himself? So in the beginning is a big word for us to understand. In the beginning, God, Elohim, this strong and mighty, omniscient God, the one and only who could bring all things about. In the beginning, God was creating things. I like the words of Nehemiah's writings, writings from the, uh, the people of Israel. They proclaimed, you are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and all that is in it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. Israel understood that God alone, Elohim, was the great creator, the one who was from the beginning, made the beginning and created it in all of his might. Creation was not an evolutionary process. It was not the formation of dust and gas and debris over billions of years coming together. The origins of life did not come from a single cell organism somewhere in the ancient oceans. Instead, Elohim, the omnipotent eternal God created everything by his spoken word in six days. This is the narrative of God. And when you question that, you question everything. You will never have faith in Jesus Christ until you first understand that Jesus Christ is the creator of all things. This is what John understood, that he was from the beginning, he is in the beginning, and all things were made by him, through him, and for him. The creation event is a must know event. And in the beginning, God Elohim created Barah. It's an instantaneous, miraculous creation. It's of another kind. It's not something that was made. It's something that was created. By the way, mankind can make things, but no mankind can create things. Only God can bring from something, uh, something from that which was nothing. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now we know that creation is revealing about God. We find this throughout the scriptures that the revelation of God is seen generally in the creation event itself and then creation as we discover it to be. Uh, we know that God is the all-powerful one. Creation, when we think about it, when we see it, when we experience it, we know the revelation of God and his power. Uh, this is Kay's favorite verse in all the Old Testament, potentially all of the Bible. She saw it today in my notes. She says, wow, that's my favorite verse. It's Jeremiah 32, 17. It's a verse that talks about the power of God being evident in creation. Ah, oh, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing 
is too hard for you. Nothing is too difficult for you. Now, why is it so important for her, that very text? I can tell you why it's important for her because she's gone through some very difficult days in her life. When the loss of her mother, uh, when she was a, Kay was a new mom, had a three-month-old, and our beloved son was born, and then her beloved mother died. And the vast hole and the emptiness and the loneliness that she felt in that moment, she needed to know that there was a great God who was powerful and with an outstretched arm would prove to her then and throughout the years, nothing is too hard for him. That he will care for her. That he will provide for her. Some of you are going through the most difficult days of your life. I get that. I understand that. But when you look at the God of creation and you see the power that he has, know that even in your life, nothing is too difficult for him to manage. Nothing is too difficult for him to exercise in his power in your life. Know his power. Creation is meant to do that. Creation is also meant to demonstrate the glory of God, for us to have an, an essence of the glory of God, the unique, distinct God of the universe who created all things. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim his handiwork. You can't help but look at a sunset and say, oh, wow, God. That's an element of his glory that you're experiencing in that moment. You can't look at the vastness of the cosmos with your naked eye or with the attention of telescope and not say, oh God, God of the universe, glory, glory is on display. That's what it's meant to do. It's meant to demonstrate the glory of God. I appreciate when people say, oh, what a beautiful day God has given to us. I appreciate that kind of prayer, but let me ask you to go a step further. This isn't just a day that God has given to you. This is a day that declares his glory. This is a day for him unto his glory. This day is for him and his purposes, and may we recognize that he is the God of glory as we experience the wonder of his creation. It's meant to demonstrate his power, his glory, and his wisdom. Oh, Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth and all, and is full of your creatures. The wisdom of God, the imagination of God, the creativity of God, the, the uniqueness of God bringing about all the creation and its kind and then the variance of the kind. The wisdom of God is on full display and the sovereignty of God. As you know, sovereignty conveys God's absolute authority and control over all creation. It emphasizes that God is the supreme ruler, controller, orchestrator of everything. Psalm 103 says this, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens, the kingdom he rules over all. This is God, this belongs to God, it's sovereignly ruled by him. All things are being held together by the Son of God himself, and when he releases it, it will all go away. Creation is meant to point to the sovereignty of God, and it points to his attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, which are clearly perceived, according to Romans 1, since the creation of the world, since all things have been made. We understand the attributes of God by understanding his creative order. So understanding God 
his power, his glory, his wisdom, his sovereignty, his attributes, understanding God and what we experience in creation, we ought to respond and live accordingly in, in a certain way. We ought to live in a way that, that we understand who God is. And what does that look like? First of all, we are to acknowledge him and show gratitude to him as creator. Just acknowledge God. Just to recognize that we are grateful for his creation and, and utter those expressions to him. God's existence and his nature are evident throughout creation around the world and in response, he requires that we acknowledge him and have gratitude toward him and express that gratitude. Now listen, not only does he require that of us, but it is good that we do that. We are better suited in life when we acknowledge God and we show gratitude to him throughout our days. In fact, when we disassociate from acknowledging God and showing gratitude to him, our mind goes to base. Our mind goes into an area that is not suitable for living with joy and with, with uh, Productivity. In fact, Romans chapter 1, verse 21 speaks of people who neither glorify God nor give thanks to him. And according to Romans 1, so their thinking becomes futile and their hearts foolishly darkened. Do you hear that? When you and I don't exercise in creation an acknowledgement of God and a gratitude to God, it makes our thinking futile and it darkens our heart things start to turn inward the glory then becomes ours the dominion we take as our own the kingdom as our own rather than to acknowledge that there is a God who is sovereignly controlling all things it's for him by him for him and we ought to show gratitude to him when we disconnect from that kind of thinking then our hearts are darkened and our thinking is futile so we are to acknowledge him and show gratitude to him. We are to praise and bless him as the creator. All your works, Psalm 145 says, shall give praise to you. O Lord, all your saints shall bless you. So when you and I are engaging in creation that ought to bring praise and blessing to our God, and then we are to worship the creator as well. Isaiah 45 says, For thus saith the Lord who created the heavens, He is God, who formed the earth and made it. He established it. He did not create it empty. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is no other. You know what he's saying? All of the creation that is on display and all the things that I put in creation, the sea, the land, the air, the cosmos, all of that is declaring, I am the Lord. And thus he is to be worshiped. Now listen, I love being outside. I love being on adventures. I like to hike. I like to fish. I like to mess around on the land. And in all of that, it ought to bring me closer to an understanding of who God is. I used to say my, my heart is more in, akin to Christ when my hands are in his dirt. There's something about engaging creation in the right way that draws our mind and our hearts to our Lord. So let's be purposeful to know God generally. 
But then go beyond that to know him specifically as well through Jesus Christ in the pages of the Bible. To attune ourselves to God's revelation in creation, his glory, his power, his wisdom, his sovereignty, his attributes, all those things, and to know him personally through Jesus Christ, his son. Now, as you know, throughout the text, I was reading over and over seven times, Genesis 1 and then into Genesis 2, God declares his creation to be good. And when God completed creation on the sixth day, he observed all that he made and he declared it to be very good. In the Hebrew, the word for good is tov. If we were to say good morning to each other, we would say boker tov. If you've been to Israel, uh, you've probably heard that expression, boker tov, good morning. And over and over and over, God declares that his creation is good. And then at the end, he says that it is very to very good. And that word uh, could actually, or those two words could actually be expressed and translated, it is certainly good, or it is surely good. We, ha we have a hard way translating that. But at the completion of his creation, God is looking at all the things that he has created, and he is saying it is surely good. It is certainly good. In, that, in other words, it is as he intended it to be. It's effective, and it is functional in the design that he has created it to be. That's very good. You, you and I ought to think of this very succinctly that God has specifically designed with intention and in, with purpose everything that he has made and he sees it in the judgment that he has that is absolutely right and he says it is perfectly good it is very surely certainly good it meets every manner in which I wanted it to be it is effective and it is functional. That's an all-important part of the narrative of the Genesis 1 uh, text. Because as the creator, it's God who is right to define it and to judge his creation, every aspect of his creation. And with perfect wisdom and knowledge, he judges it all. And since he is the sovereign God, the creator who assesses and judges everything perfectly, we should align ourselves with what God declares to be good and right, and we should repent and run from everything that God declares to be anything other than good and right. Because God is determining these things. When God fashions man and he says, let us make man in our image, in the image of God, he made him male and female, he created them. When God says that is very good, he had a specific purpose and design in mind and he says it's accomplished. So we should embrace that and we should reject anything other than that. Now the world is obviously confused on this God's intention and purpose for creation. They have rebelled against his goodness and his wisdom, which is evident in creation, demanding that they be their own judge to determine what is good and right. But Christians must be the very opposite of that. 
Christians must be very unique in that we align ourselves with God's word and we walk in relationship with Jesus Christ, living life filled with his spirit and embracing that which God says is good and rejecting and running from that which God says is not good. The creation narrative is unfolding for us, helping us to learn how to walk and journey with Christ. It's good. It's very good. Now, the Bible begins with this goodness, and I can remind you that it is going to end in God's goodness. The Bible is beginning in its focus with a garden. In Genesis 2, it focuses the narrative on Adam and and Eve, Adam being the first human being. They were made in the image of God. They lived in Eden, a, a place of perfection and harmony and God's abundance. The couple enjoyed an intimate relationship with God as well. But yet temptation led them to disobey God's command and it resulted in their expulsion from the garden and humanity's fall from God's great grace. Despite mankind's rebellion and sin, the Bible continues a message of hope and redemption, doesn't it? It reveals God's relentless pursuit of mankind, offering a way to restoration and reconciliation. Throughout the history, people and families and tribes and nations have opposed God in his ways, but God has consistently proven faithful, providing guidance and deliverance. From the faith of Abraham to the courage of Moses, from the songs of David to the prophecies of Isaiah, the Bible unfolds a grand narrative of God's great love for creation and his desire for humanity to trust him wholeheartedly and be reconciled to him. It reveals the life of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh who came to earth and lived among us and laid down his life for us that he might take it up again, offering to us redemption and newness of life for all who believe in him. Just as the Bible begins with creation, it's going to end in a new creation. The Bible promises a new creation in the end, a new Jerusalem for the redeemed of Christ who dwell with God from that day forward forever. The bookends of the Bible, Genesis and Revelation, reveal what God has done and what he will do. But let's be mindful about what God is doing. God is reconciling things to himself. In Jesus Christ right now, he is making us to be spiritually born again. In his spirit, he is empowering us to live out a life that is very good, embracing the intentions of his creation, declaring his glory and his wisdom, his sovereignty and his attributes, and walking in the treasure of that. And in his word, the Bible, he is declaring to us how we live in this creation rightly living out the word of God like it's a light to our pathway illuminating our way this morning as we marvel at God's creation and we celebrate the new creations that we are in Jesus Christ we anticipate that God is going to create all things new and that new creation will never be touched by sin it will only be in the perfect intention of God's design fulfilling the production that God intended it to be and it will be very good is God doing a good work in you recreating 
taking the old, letting it pass away, making the new come. How? By faith in Christ. Taking your life, your sin, your failures, your mistakes in mind, and nailing them to the cross while he carries that burden. The full wrath of God exercised against him, the punishment of sin and mankind, Christ himself received in order that you and I might be set free from that. Dead and buried in the grave, but on the third day resurrected, just like he said he would, proving that he is not only victorious over sin, but victorious over death and sharing that with us, communion for who believe in him. This newness of life is ours in the spiritual realm now, and it will be one day in the physical. Is God doing that work in you? If he is, it'll be by faith, trusting in him, walking in him. Some of you have misaligned steps away from that which God is doing in you, and this is the morning that God is saying, no, I'm doing a fresh work in you today. I want your life to be lived very good. Would you embrace that? Trust him for that? Let's go to him in prayer. Where you find us short, Father, I pray that you would find the fullness of Christ who by faith treasures his righteousness, imputing it into us. Where you have find, found us scattered in our thinking, and now you have realigned us with your holy word, which is true and right. Forgive us, Lord, I pray, and redirect our thoughts to be rightly on you and your word. Where we have thought differently as the world thinks differently about creation and its order, its intention, its purpose, its means, its methods. Lord, reset our thinking to have a biblical worldview, rejecting what you say is not good and embracing what you say is good. And in the end, we will know you, Lord, in your wisdom, sovereignty, your attributes, your glory, your power. We will know you in all those ways. And perhaps even most importantly, we'll know you in your reconciliation and your redemption. Who is willing and able to make all things new? Find us there today, I pray, in Jesus' name.